Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is musician, composer, music director, sound engineer, sound designer, and producer, Yuri Gianluca Riccati. First of all, if you have an Instagram account, you probably want a lot more followers. Now, I understand why you have an Instagram account. For one reason, it's a hot platform. And the second reason is most of its users really love music, more so than almost any other platform. So the dilemma is, if you don't have many followers, how do you get them? The temptation might be to buy them. And of course, the more followers you have, the more social authority you have. So someone comes to your profile and they look and they see, oh, you have 10,000 followers and they go, oh, wait a second, this person is popular. So maybe I should pay attention. Well, there's actually a lot of places where you can buy Instagram followers. Problem is a lot of them are scams or phishing scams. But there are a few that are not. They allow you to buy followers either in bulk or to drip them out over time. It's not expensive at all. For $15, you can get 1000 And there's actually a vending machine in Belgium where it only costs three euros. Then usually there's an upsell that goes with it. So for another $10, you can get 1000 likes on your five most recent posts. Sounds tempting, doesn't it? Problem is, it's not a good idea. The reason why is Instagram can tell when there are fake followers. They have something called an audience quality score, and there's actually multiple services out there that can provide this. So if you're thinking, wow, I'll pay for a million followers, and then I'll get some brand to buy in because then I'll look like an influencer. Well, guess what? They can tell too. And even normal people that come to your feed can tell as well because what ends up happening is You might have lots of followers, but no comments. And a real giveaway is all the followers come from the same place, the same city, the same country. So how do you get Instagram followers? Well, the best way is to just post really good, engaging content. Then promote your content and your Instagram feed everywhere. And even instead of spending money on buying Instagram followers, buy some ads because they really work. So don't fall for the temptation of buying Instagram followers. There are better ways to do it. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Don't forget about my Music Mixing Primer and 101 Mixing Tricks programs that will help take your mixes to the next level. Go to bobbyosinskicourses.com to learn more. Now, if you've been on this planet for more than 30 years or so, probably you're thinking that, wow, music isn't what it used to be, especially if you're a musician, you notice that There's a lot of songs out there that just revolve around one single chord progression. And, of course, we think that rap and hip-hop and electronic music, well, they've ruined things by going to this particular formula. You know what? Single chord progression songs are not new. We can go back to the 80s and there's some huge hits. Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. One chord progression. Prince's When Doves Cry. Single chord progression. Go to the 90s, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. 
That was based on a sample from the Rolling Stones' The Last Time. Now, what if I told you that Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit and Katy Perry's Firework and Daft Punk's Get Lucky and even The Weeknd's Blinding Lights are all one chord progression? Yeah, same thing, but you know what? They use clever development, and they really changed up the melody on the chorus. So it almost makes it seem like a completely different progression when it's not. That's the whole secret. So this whole thing about boring songs, well, maybe more like boring songwriting or lazy songwriting or not really caring about melody so much to begin with. And really, that's not a big deal with the number of genres anyway. That being said, right now there's a return to traditional songwriting, especially in the top 40. So things are beginning to change a little bit. We're also starting to hear more guitars than we've heard in a long time. So if you like things the way they used to be, well, you're getting a taste of that coming back. My guest this week is musician, composer, sound engineer, sound designer, and producer Yuri Gianluca Riccati. He's worked with a wide range of artists that include Britney Spears, Reed Ora, Casey Musgraves, Pat Metheny, John McLaughlin, Ingve Malmsteen, and even The Pope. Since 2015, Yuri's worked on several number one records as a sound engineer and synth programmer for the acclaimed tenor Andrea Bocelli. It's with Bocelli that he's also received his four Grammy nominations. Plus, he's also written for a number of magazines over the years. During the interview, we spoke about recording Bocelli, working in Taiwan, playing the Vatican as a musician, working with the London Symphony Orchestra at Abbey Road, writing the mic preamp, trim control, and much more. I spoke with Yuri via Zoom from his studio in Rome. So tell me how you get started in the music business. I know you were a writer as well, and I know that you're also, computer programming seems to be a first love for you, but tell me how it all started. So I started in the music very later, very later. I, I was a passionate. I started to listen to music when I was three, mm. because my first uh, my first gift request to my father was a turntable. And uh, and I was lucky because my father was a musician, and I had a lot of a huge amount of vinyls. So I've started to listen, you know, listen a lot, a lot of music, and uh, this bring me. Um, open mind on music because I don't have to general preferences. So I like everything in, in music. For, for me, music is good or not, not by genres, no jazz, no fusion, no rock, no progressive. It's a good or not. So I started my thinking before the career about the music was a unique thing and uh, where I prefer some songs, you know, and others not. And um, when I was a teenager, I started to be curious about playing guitars. And uh, I came from, you know, computer programming because in the 80s, a lot of kids start to use computers like such as computers like such as uh, ZX Spectrum or Commodore or this kind of thing. So it was, was the, you know, the new hype in the 80s so we started, every, everyone was started with that so but I was 
you know, fascinated by the music and playing the guitar in the teenager. And I start to, you know, meet people and other musicians, they, you know, in the same age, playing in the school, playing in the church, and uh, all this kind of thing, very easy. So, but love was amazing, love was a lot. So <laughs> when I started using the guitar, was a, was a shock. You know, I, I want to learn everything about that, everything. So I, I, I passed eight hours a day, maybe more, to study guitars. And also English, because I was, uh, you know, I was in Italy, and at the time the English was not so uh, diffused, not so important. So, but I've started, you know, music and English together, and I grew up with a lot of new friends. This was the very beginning of, of the career. After that, I've decided to have a band. So I've started to play, you know, rock and metal, metal most, mostly metal. And uh, with this, I've, you know, met other musicians, especially in metal. So uh, I frequently have been in a, in a music school jazz music school first then i moved to boston to go to the berkeley and uh, and there i've met a lot of new contacts so i think music and relationships are very very fused together excuse me but you know what's interesting about that i went to berkeley too and i taught there and there's a group of us that still meet every couple of weeks and have dinner on a sunday night all the people from Berkeley that are out here in, in Los Angeles. Exactly. Especially at the days we, without the internet, the only possibility to share experience, to share books and VCS, if you remember, yeah. the, the VCS with, uh, with the techniques, on the, with the teaching, you know. With the, and uh, was the only occasion to have a relation with other musicians. And I met a lot of musicians. And uh, in, I don't remember where I met John Norum, the Europe's guitar player, mm -hmm. and he introduced me to Ingwie Malmsteen. Mm. He's pretty far away from jazz. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I met Ingwie in Italy, then we start to do something together, but you know, and uh, about this situation, I've, I've created a, a very big ring of friendship with a, a big musicians. And uh, a magazine uh, was in the 90s, a guitar magazine, asked me to uh, use my contacts to have interviews. It was, was very easy, you know. And uh, because I'd, I had to pass through the record label or through the press conference, you know, just call the people on the phone at the interviews. So I've started writing on the magazine about that. And uh, my first experience was about interviews and guitar transcriptions on, the, on that magazine. In the meantime, I finished my study and I start to record bands, record music in the because taking the experience from Berkeley, I was one of the first in Italy to use to record in, with computer. Mm. In the 90s, we still on the tape. 
and they are and they are that later you know yeah thanks to that i've you know grow grow very very slowly career <laughs> was not so fast <laughs> but you know growing growing and growing so and i met other musicians other bands recording mixing and still playing and mixing together for a lot of years how long were you at berkeley uh just two years 94 95 that's usually the way it works there's very few people that stay all four I, I was speaking with that about uh, uh, I spoken with that uh, uh, about that with uh, Quincy Jones hmm. <laughs> because he did the Berkeley and he didn't finish too. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it makes sense because if you're any good, you go out and you work. Mm. Yes, because I got to work in the meantime. Yeah, right. You're right. The other thing that I thought was, and for me, it was a little less than two years before I started to teach. The most beneficial classes were the arranging and harmony classes in the first two years, I thought. And I didn't go beyond that, but I know what the curriculum is. And it was like, well, wait a second. This is all the good stuff here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you think this is the best way to have a new kind of a sound engineers, sound engineers that know music yeah. and can read music, it's a very new generation of sound engineers. In the thinking about in the 90s, you know, I was one of a kind because I, I was a musician and mixer and engineer to, all together. How did you learn the engineering part? Well, in the studio, very old school. Mm -hmm. Stay in the studio, bring the coffee, <laughs> cleaning the stuff, and look and listen and look and listen. And, uh, you know, very old school technique. Not no books, no teaching. <laughs> after after all, I, I get a books, of course, but in the beginning was that, and um, this continues to do that until two thousand, because I start to make you know sound engineering a lot of things, not only rock, just but uh, rock, pop, and dance music also. So some uh, some of the DJs called me in the 90s to mix their house music stuff. And uh, in the 2005, 2004, I met, first time I met Tony Rennis. He's a, a famous singer, but he's also a very famous producer. And uh, he produced uh, Julio Iglesias, he produced uh, Nica Costa, Don Costa, and Andrea Bocelli, of course and Celine Dion and Pavarotti, he produced a lot of things. So he called me in, the, in a movie, and I was in the studio, and we met them very, for little, just one day. And uh, we get an approach. After that, he called me back in 2009, because my, you know, the impression of the, what I was doing. And I, and I was, uh, at the time, I was lucky because I was the only sound engineer that can speak English in Italy. <laughs> and uh, because I have to work in Italy for this new project called Il Volo, uh, together with Umberto Gatica. Great engineer. Yeah, amazing. He was my last tutor, <laughs> was my mentor. And uh, Umberto teach me, of course, a lot, a lot of things. And... Um, at the time, uh, they were constricted to work in Italy because the Il Volo was three kids. 
was very, very little kids, 14 years, and they can't move out from Italy to work, you know, for low, for the low reasons. So they were constrained to work in Italy, and I was the, just the one speaks English and <laughs> used to have a programming, music, and a sound engineer. So I was prepared for that. I, I always said to the people, just over prepare because sometimes will happen and uh, you have to be prepared for that moment. So I, very easily I was called by Tony and we started working together with, uh, for Evolo project. This opens me a lot of doors after in, in Los Angeles and other places um, because the, the interaction interaction with Umberto, with his friends, with his musicians. I met uh, all his musicians. I met uh, all the guys that played on his albums, you know, Nathanist uh, and Vinicola uh, Iuta, everyone, you know. It was a consecution, you know, of yeah. the work. Until 2000, I, st I, st I, I worked with Il Volo until, until uh, 2012. Then I start to work uh, with the Chinese uh, pop star in China later. So I left Il Volo for this new work. You went to China? Yeah, in Taiwan. Wow. And uh, then I start to work in over there. But Tony doesn't, doesn't forget me, and they still call me you know, for the other things in the meantime. And uh, also, very curious things was happen, and... Um, some friend of mine that worked with the Pope <laughs> called me. Then I played in Vatican, mm. wow. <laughs> you know, as a musician this time. Yeah. <laughs> Together with singers in the front of Pope. And, you know, I, I restart the career, you know, such a, yeah. such a, you know, such a movement. So musicians, and musicians. What was that like playing in the Vatican? Wow. Well, when I met the Pope, it was very strange for me because I have an amazing picture with him and uh, because I came from rock metal stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, then I met him. So it was so strange because, you know, I know a lot of musicians, uh, famous singers, but the Pope, Pope is Pope. Yeah. Then, uh, well, I still work with him, with the Vatican. Uh, until last year, I did um, a choir um, direction. <laughs> I bet that was amazing. The Vatican Choir is fantastic. Fantastic. But the sound is amazing. They yeah, yeah. Have a, a huge sound. But in the meantime, Tony called me back again to work with Andrea Bocelli in 2014 because they start to make a new album together with Umberto and David Foster. And they did the album, amazing album called Cinema. This is one of the best albums where I worked because when you have the kind of budget, you can, you know, do everything, everything you want, everything, you know, orchestra was a uh, London symphony at Abbey Road. So we, <laughs> we went to Abbey Road, we record the orchestra and amazing experience because the sound of Abbey, Abbey is amazing. And the orchestra is, is a killer. They are so tuned. They are amazing, you know, machines because they play every day together. Yeah. And also they, they look like family. 
you, you don't know. I don't know if you uh, went to Unabi, but they have um, and the, the the basement they have a bar, such as pub, yeah, yeah. where the musicians from the orchestra goes there and play together and drink. You know, such a fam- such a kind of family is yeah, different. Yeah. You know, they make this makes a great conjunction with them. They have a, a lot of uh, relations, and uh, so when they play, they are a single machine because they you know they do that since years and years. They don't change people inside the orchestra. With Bocelli, you're doing a variety of things, right? So uh, I did uh, the first things that I did in that album was to add instruments. So I mean to play. Uh, pads and synths on the orchestra. Oh, okay. Because I used to work with the uh, uh, tempo map, moving tempo map, and uh, I'm very easy to work with them because I came from the orchestra stuff. So for me, it was easy to approach with percussions and synth percussions and synths and pads uh, and effects to to the orchestra, you know, to add, add to the orchestra. And then we back in Italy after that, we back in uh, Bocelli home, because he recorded in his home, to start recording the vocal. So I was there together, me and Umberto in his, in Andrea home to record his voice for the album. So we recorded the Italian versions with English songs and Spanish version for the Spanish market, just to have the possibility to assess to uh, the Grammys. Mm. English, uh-huh, English, right. and, uh, and the Spanish ones. Yeah, Unfort- uh, we were, you know, nominated for the Grammy, but we didn't. We never <laughs> won a Grammy with Andrea. Never. I don't know if it means as much as it used to. Oh, he sold millions, millions. <laughs> that means more than a Grammy. Yeah, you never get one. Yeah, he sold millions. Okay, so we did uh, the best, the best as possible. And the album was great and uh, and very successfully. They sold a lot. After that, I still, I, I worked again with them uh, mixing the show, the TV show here in this room. Mm, okay. I mixed some TV shows here from the cinema production, you know, the live shows. And uh, after that, we start to make other things until uh, the last album, uh, C that we worked, but this time I worked without Tony and Umberto. We worked with um, another producer, and I just did programming on some songs. And uh, I have to say thanks to Pierpaolo that he's another producer of Andrea, and uh, they are very close friends also and. Uh, when we when you are in a team we're a good, very good team and people enjoying you and you enjoy them they're still calling you and still working together and now i will back in his uh, in his studio to master the new album so you're doing a lot of programming for him then synthesizer programming i love i love to do that. i'm a guitar player but i love to create sounds and also on the guitar i love to create shapes, shape sounds on the guitar, such as uh, Ebo stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, all the, I, I learned a lot from Steve Vai. <laughs> He's curious. 
I met Steve many times. And, uh, and I was also worked, thanks to Andrea, I, work, I worked with other famous singers, such as Ariana Grande and Dua Lipa and etc. because they mix duets and uh, oh yeah right it was easy to have a, a good portfolio about that what would you rather do i mean you do, you do so many things what's your favorite arranging yeah arranging is my favorite thing and, and also i'm very happy with that because when i when you arrange when you have a great arrangement uh, you have easy mixing yeah <laughs> You don't have to do nothing in the mix, just, you know? Yeah, not enough people understand that, especially when you're younger, that the arrangement has so much to do with it. And production, if it's put together well. I learned this from Umberto, because the first time I listened to the uh, Bill Ross arrangements, the orchestra arrangement from Bill, Mm -hmm. William Ross, sorry, and uh, I was shocked. I said, wow. It's mixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Song is mixed. Just the stamps are mixed. <laughs> and uh, there I saw uh, Vinny Colaiuta playing the drums and, uh, and Michael Landau played the guitars. Michael Thompson also played the guitars on that arrangement. They was perfect. The, there was no trick on mixing, nothing. Just they choose the sounds to mm-hmm. stay in that arrangement, I learned the secret there because the, when you start to mix and your song is, sounds great, you know, in flat, you can also, you can only make an amazing job. No, no fixing, no nothing, <laughs> just, just mixing. Yeah. I, you know, I always felt that that's the one thing that's missing. You know, you can have books and YouTube videos and everything about how to do this, but never tells you that unless you know what it's supposed to sound like and what great sounds like, then you don't know what to shoot for. You have to hear that for yourself. Yes, yes, there are no courses about that. Just the new interviews and videos from Rick Beato. Yeah. They, they discover the arrangements, they show you the course progressions, uh, all the things in the songs that, that help you, but it's, it's a new thing. It's uh, obvious for us. Yeah. Was, but it was never considered by the didactic <laughs> approach on that. Yeah. But when you listen to greater arrangements, there's a, it's all done, especially from the orchestra. Uh, and, you, and you see people can really write for the orchestra. When, when you talk about doing arrangements, that you're talking about orchestral arrangements as well, right? Yes, I mean all. Because I love arrange not only orchestra but you know instruments, synths, guitars, bass, drums, and uh, I've I learned that when I when I start the arrangement, the Saint Paul for in pop music, I start with vocal and rhythm. When those two things are perfect, all the other stuff can reach this. You know, when when you have when you have vocal, rhythm, and bass, you have all. That's what I teach my students for mixing. That you start with that. And build it around it. All the other things are, you know, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the most important core of the song is the vocal that have the message of the song, uh, the rhythm and the bass. When you, when you have, if you, if you pick up the Michael Jackson songs, works like that, all, everyone. 
Yeah. No, I've noticed that as well. There's a certain, whenever I get a chance to sit in on a, something that's a hit or listen to the mix or get the multi-tracks, it's really obvious that this is so well put together that you don't do much, the actually. The genius of the, the producer, yeah. the producer's genius is on that. If you listen, the great producers, like, such as um, the English one, um, Trevor Horn, or yeah. if you listen the um, Brianino works, they are very sophisticated on the choose of the you know these three things: guitar, uh, sorry, vocal, drums, and bass, and uh, the songs works. What is that microphone behind you? Oh, this is an amazing microphone. This is uh, Audio Ribera R two fifty one. It's a clone of the famous Elam. Uh, Fifty-one, and uh, I start use that in the in the Bocelli album Cinema. Uh, we uh, we were in studio, me and Umberto, and uh, we using uh, his famous Elam. And uh, in the meantime, comes uh, Silvano Ribera, very old man. <laughs> very, he was uh, he was the Neumann assistant in Italy. Okay, RCA, this kind of things. Very, very old man, very great culture on that. And he said, I bring, I make a clone of 251. Can we match it and see what happened? We were not happy because we were recording the album, but Andrea Bocelli, his friend, <laughs> told us, no, no, we have to test it. Okay, we test it. <laughs> so we put together, we recorded the Andrea's voice, and uh, my face was, you know, like that with Umberto, I said, oh, can we have one? (laughs) (laughs) One for me, one for him. (laughs) Wow. Until that, Andrea recorded all the albums with this kind of microphones. And also all all the other um, duets, Ed Sheeran sang it on that, everyone. Yeah, yeah. This is is particular, this one is which one we used for the cinema album. Wow because it was the first, and I take it. <laughs> well, just out of curiosity, what's the signal path for Bocelli? Not so much complicated, but very accurate. Uh, this microphone, or LM251, through 1073 Neve, to the Neve compressor, just to have the limiting sometimes, not compression, just the limiting, and go to the converters. The, the old-fashioned way. Old-fashioned way, very easy. I love to work with the trim during the session because uh, I, I have a, I used to have a paper with the lyrics, and I, I write the, in the in the in the lyrics where the volume should be, you know. And uh, I my my hand is on the trim, and during the song I, you know, raise or up the trim, just to have the control of the song because. Andrea just take three takes for song, <laughs> so we don't have time to remake it. And uh, because he's a very, very professional, he studied, he, st- he studied the song in home, then we came in studio, he just ready to sing the song three times. And uh, very easy to work with him. But he need to listen very good. This is another secret of the re- vocal recording, which I put the, put the um, the singer 
in a position to have a comfortable listening. You know, good microphones, good headphones, you have to stay comfortable. And uh, these create three takes, of course, but three amazing takes. So you don't need to record 10, 20 takes. So you comp them together then? Yes. Yes, we choose the, the best one. And uh, just in case we need something very, but we will call back Andrea to record, but it's not always. And um, we don't use uh, any kind of uh, correction with him. Yeah, I would think not. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, if you record too much takes, you, the last takes are not good. Are not, sounds, sounds, sounds not like the first or the second. So it's not easy to, comp to make a composite with too much takes. But he's a spectacular singer, so it's a little bit different than someone that's just good. He's one of a kind. Uh, yeah. Because he, he invented a genre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never seen, no, nobody sing it like, like that before. Now he's used to say, sing like Bocelli. You know what I mean? And, you know, criticism is about, uh, you know, the pure lyrics, uh, lyrical people, but it's amazing. And uh, he still, st still study every day, is amazing. Well, it sounds like a great gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, it's a very it's a it's a very good ambient. I love the family, the people around him. It's very it's beautiful to work with them. But that seems to be the case. Everything you're telling me is a situation like that that you're in, where people like you, you like them, you tend to work with them for a long time. Yes, this is the team process. So when when Tony or Umberto start new work, they think always about the people they make like they make everything easy, you know, easy people with easy situation because we don't need stress in studio. Any kind. I think we both know that there's many engineers and producers that have hits, but they never work with the same people more than once, which kind of says a lot about them. Yeah, you know, it, it depends, but generally famous producers like to work with the same people every time. It's easy to see that. Tell me about working in Taiwan. Well, it's a different place. It's a completely different place. So Taiwan, just think Taiwan is like the California of the China. Yeah. Because Taiwan is a place where the things happen, the production starts and the cinema starts. Now everything is moved to Shenzhen, Shenzhen. But at the time in 2012, uh, Taiwan was the center of the promotion of the company promotions, like say Universal or Warner, they start everything from Taiwan to bring the, the production in China. It's a, it's a different universe completely. I know someone that also does a lot of engineering work in Taiwan, but the way it started for him was he had a client that was here who was Taiwanese, but he was a Los Angeles policeman. <laughs> and on the side, he was singing and he ma managed to get a record deal with Taiwan and then blew up. He's a huge star. I can't think of his name. David Lee, I think is his name. Mm. He's very big. So my friend has been working with him for years, probably 10 years worth of work. And from that, he's gotten a lot of other work in Taiwan. He doesn't go there as well. Of course, with the last year, no one's gone anywhere. But even before then, everything was done online, all the mixing. Yeah, it's not easy to find 
European or Americans working there because the payment is so less, you know, it's compared to the living, uh, living prices, you know. So, so I work at that, you know, just a, just a little, but I back in here, I back for, you know, for this reason. And, um, but it's a completely different world. So tell me about working in Italy as compared to, especially Rome, as compared to Los Angeles. I know there must be some big differences just besides the culture. It's a different culture, of course. It's a different works. Because in Rome especially, we were lucky because uh, I, I used to work with, uh, with people such as Ennio Morricone in studio because his studio is in Rome. And uh, it's a forum music village. It's an amazing studio. And uh, we did a lot of things there. Il Volo, we start to work uh, on Il Volo on, this, on, on his studio. And uh, other things that I did uh, in the past was in his studio, in the, in the forum. Uh, I like the place. I like the people. It's a good, very good place to work. But we have a lot of great studios for the television's work, uh, for music works. And um, Rome is a is a Rome. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, it's a beautiful city with sun, amazing people, and uh, I love to stay here. I've only been there once, and it was only for a day. You should you should be. <laughs> you should come over. <laughs> well, maybe another time, another yeah. time soon. Last question for you: What's the best piece of business advice that you either learned along the way, or maybe somebody imparted to you? To be honest with you and with the others maybe sometimes doesn't pay a lot but in the long distance you get the price and uh, i think that is very very important because i never you know faked or treat the people in different way and uh, maybe you know someone did, did it with me of course but i forget and uh, i stay on, on my path and uh, I think in the long distance, they will, this will pay you. Not only money, but, you know, a lot of things. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyownercircle.com, where you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At BobbyOsinski.com and BobbyOwnerCircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bobby Osinski.